guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. Today's episode is sponsored by Wild, a natural deodorant company that focuses on performance, sustainability, and style. It's cruelty-free, vegan, free of aluminum and parabens. And honestly, I've tried several like natural deodorants before, and I haven't been able to get past the first week because my armpits are just like wet and gross. I genuinely feel the same. And... I absolutely love this product. I love what it stands for. It genuinely works. Which no, it is, actually works. It actually works. Like, I'm being deadly serious right now. I love it. It feels great on my armpits because I even, like, even when I use, like, deodorants that aren't necessarily all natural, they still just leave my arms feeling, like, super wet and I just yeah. smell, like, the deodorant scent all day. Yeah, but this deodorant scent scent smells so lovely i have i have the orange one i have the aqua one and it is a dream for sure um like barry said it is eco-friendly with all natural ingredients which i love i think personally i am trying to make a switch so that all my kind of toiletries um you know products, skincare products, makeup, etc., is as natural as it can possibly be. Their packaging is all sustainable and you can also do it as a subscription. So you don't even have to, you know, go to the store or anything like that. Just make it a subscription, make your life easy. We all need deodorant every single day. Just get it straight through your letterbox. It is so, so, so simple. So go wild today and get yourself this natural refillable deodorant that really does work. You can order by going to wearewild.com and you will get 20% off your first order when you use code FORKING. That's F-O-R-K-I-N-G for 20% off. Enjoy. Hi guys, welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. I'm Sophie, registered nutritionist. And I'm Barry, registered dietitian, and we are here today with two out of the three girls from the QLC podcast, um, Caitlin and Amanda. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you? I'm good, Amanda. You good? I'm fantastic. Fantastic right now, guys. (laughs) Say hi. It's so synchronized. It's like... You guys should have done your like um your intros. I'm Amanda and I'm Caitlin. <laughs> I honestly felt like we were going to do that, but I was just like, hi. <laughs> I love that. Did you guys want to introduce yourself um for all of our listeners? Yeah, I am Amanda. I am also a registered dietitian and um just hanging out in Los Angeles. I'm a mom. <laughs> who is a little bit quarter life adjacent, which we'll get into with our quarter life crisis stuff, but I'm a quarter life adjacent for uh, you listeners. And um, yeah, just my passion is nutrition. Functional nutrition is kind of where I lean in and intuitive eating, which you guys are familiar with these gals. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is just a very brief backstory of me. New Mexico so I feel board. like we can learn a lot then from you in regards to the quarter life crisis scenario. We'll get into yes. that. But. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I hope. I'm Caitlin. Um, 
I am a Long Island native. Same thing as Barry, but I do live in LA with Amanda, not together, but adjacently. And I am officially quarter life adjacent too, because I turned 26. So like we really liked, that's our thing on the podcast. We like to say quarter life adjacent and now I'm 26. So it is adjacent, which is exciting stuff for us. But I am a certified life coach and guided meditation instructor. Um, yeah, one of the hosts of Quarter Life Crisis. I do a lot of other shit. I like reality <laughs> TV. It's oh, all I like, love reality it's, TV as well. <laughs> it's all a big mess, honestly. Like, we are so versatile. <laughs> yeah. And Caitlin was also on Big Brother US, which, do you watch Big Brother in the UK? I feel oh, like it's yeah. different. No, I watch it. I, I, I honestly love reality TV. <laughs> yeah, it's a passion for me as well. <laughs> And Caitlin and I actually went to high school together, um, which like brings everything so full circle. But it's actually really funny because I feel like we lost touch for quite a while. But when I speak to you now, like it just reminds me like how similar that we speak. And like I feel like my British accent really dissipates. And now I sound very Long Island. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Which I think is great, though. Like it's so funny because I think I'm the same as you where like I adjust to who I'm around. So sometimes out here, like, I don't sound like I'm from New York a lot of the times. People think that I sound like I'm from the Valley, which is a very Los Angeles thing. But it's like the second you put me back in Plainview, I start talking like I'm from Plainview. It's just, you adjust, you adjust. Yeah, I work with a lot of Aussies, actually, to go sidetrack, and I pick up all their slang. So if you've probably heard this, that- Oh, you do. I come (laughs) home and I like say like, hey, after things, like, oh my God, that was so weird, hey. And Mark, my boyfriend, get so mad. He's like, you don't say that. Stop saying that. I just am a sponge. I just, like, pick it up. Uh, Which is just funny. So tell us first, like, how did you guys meet? So Amanda and I met, actually, um, in 2017, I decided to move from New York to L.A., and it was like within a month. I decided in October I wanted in uh, September I wanted to go. In October I was gone, and my parents were like, "Caitlin, this is so cool of you to do this, but like, get a fucking part-time job because like we don't trust you at all. Like, you just started your coaching business. We don't even know what a life coach is. Like, you need <laughs> a part-time job." So at that time. Um, I started getting really into pure bar, like on Long Island. I would go to the Huntington one. I would go to the Woodbury one. It was just like my favorite thing ever. And I just started to realize like, oh, well, I I was moving with my cousin who lives in LA. And I was like, let me see if there is even a pure bar near there. Cause like I need it. And there was, so I sent an email to the owner and I was like, I don't know if you guys are hiring, but like, I would love to work at the front desk. This is a little bit about myself, whatever. And actually they were in the middle of transitioning owners of the, of the studio and the original owners had told now our friend Stacy, the, the owner that hired me, they had like suggested to her, like, we know you're about to take over, but we just got this email from this girl. We do not recommend you hire her just cause like you're about to, not anything against me, but they're like, you're about to start taking this over. Like, I don't know. And Stacy was like, no, I fully love her email. Like she is hired. So I somehow got hired before they even met me. I moved out there and the first class I took before I started my training, Amanda was the teacher. So Amanda and I have known each other for since that time. She was like mm-hmm. one of my first friends. And I just worked at the desk and she was there. And um, I took a, a long break from bar, obviously, after I was on Big Brother because I was cast, I was put on, and 
I needed a lot of time to heal before I got back in that situation. Um, and also like now I'm a public figure. Like I'm not just like the girl at the front desk. Like I can't go back to bar and work there. Like I, it just was not an option for me. <laughs> but in January, uh, so I got off the show in um, August and then I waited till January. I went back to the studio just to take a class and I took it with Amanda. And when the class ended, our owner Stacy noticed that I was like crying and she's like, are you good? I was like, I just love it here. And she's like, do you want to just work here two days a week in the morning just to do it? And I was like, mm-hmm. So I did it again. And um, Amanda and I just got closer. And we had always thought about working together in some capacity. We just didn't really know how. And I had started to make new friends from the reality TV world. And that's how I met Morgan. And I just figured, like, it would be a really good combination of the three of us. Um, because we all have skills and things that the other doesn't have. And um, I just thought it was the perfect thing. So the three of us met up and we decided that we wanted to do it and it happened. Did I do that okay, Amanda? Did I, I think it? you gave it wonderful justice. Thank hit you. every, like hit the high points of your Pure Bar journey. I came in, your reality TV journey, Morgan also in that. And so, and we all have like different specialties. So Caitlin is a life coach. I'm a registered dietitian and Morgan has been, actively working on her personal training certification for a bit but she's like she's she's probably not but she's fantastic and I think she is very capable of doing all the things she does without it so um yeah she is very much fitness guru so we just felt like we had a great way to talk about a quarter life crisis whenever it came to the different aspects of where quarter life crises can come from. So life coach, nutrition and health, and then your physical health with um, exercise. And to take it a step further, we also thought it was perfect because the three of us speak to such different um, people. So I think a lot of people relate to Amanda because she is in her thirties. She's a married mom like that is that is something that she can speak to on our listeners I was always the one like that was up and down with like I'm in a relationship now I'm single now I'm in a relationship now I'm fucking 10 guys like I (laughs) I spoke to those people and um which was great and then Morgan who's like and I'm like the New Yorker so I'm very abrupt and then we have Morgan who Texas bred like you know, very into fitness, image, like all of that stuff. And in a relationship with like a star, like, I don't know if you guys know, but Morgan's boyfriend is um, a guy who goes by the name of Johnny Bananas. He's just like MTV's like prodigy. And on MTV MTV royalty, if you want to say that. I don't know him, but I also like, we don't really get a lot of like, I mean, we do get MTV here, but it's like MTV, like UK. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. But yeah, so so we just have, it was such a perfect thing because we would bring on with Morgan and I, like we obviously have the connections to people with a lot of followers in the reality TV world. And that's really how our following began, obviously, because those are the people that are going to listen, the ones that want to hear about reality TV. But we always tried in the beginning to make it like, we'll talk about reality TV, but like, what crisis are you going through right now? Mm-hmm. Talk to us about what you're experiencing. And um, for everyone, it's just really different. And of course, with like the pandemic, and I don't know how bad it is where you guys are right now, but it's pretty pandem- much the same as where you are, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that this was like a big 
it, it almost, in my opinion, I don't know, Amanda, if you feel the same, but it almost made me a little nervous because I felt like in the beginning of the pandemic, our podcasts were getting a little repetitive. And like, a lot of people don't want to hear about the pandemic. Like nobody, yeah. mm-hmm. nobody wants to come to our podcast and listen to like, how are you coping with the times? And that's such an easy topic to do. But like, I don't go, I don't listen to podcasts that are talking about that. I don't give a shit. Like, I literally don't care. Yeah. So um, we kind of steered away from it, I think. In the beginning, mm-hmm. we were talking about it, but now it's just like, no, no pandemic talk whatsoever. Yeah, we don't talk about it anymore either. Which is, it is the ultimate crisis. I mean, like, we are all, yeah. if we're <laughs> all dealing with it. Yeah. It is a crisis. We are yeah, it is. So we have to try and carry on with what we knew is a normal life. Aside from that. And I think a lot of people use podcasts as like escapism. So like Mm. provide like additional information to kind of like distract from their day-to-day lives and things that are going on. And, you know, I think especially in this time, you want to one, provide like entertainment because I think people like really need that at this time. But you also want to provide like things of value. So it's like striking Mm -hmm. that balance between like how can you support someone or offer just like can they leave the podcast with just like one bit of information that they didn't have Mm -hmm. while doing it like with a bit of banter, which I think like Sophie and I like it's interesting that you guys said you guys are all so different because when you were saying that I was like Sophie and I are very similar. We're we're similar but different. Same, same but different. Yeah, Same, same but different. Yeah, but I feel like in terms of the quarter life crisis talk from the age of like 24 to like 30 something like we change so much like I feel like it's such a huge growing period for so many people like people get into really serious relationships they might get married they might have kids like that all tends to happen in that kind of five to six years yeah yeah for sure a hundred percent and it's so funny because at the end of the day we talk about the certain things that we're going through and someone like Amanda who has a totally different trajectory in life right now, we could end up going through something very similar. And mm-hmm. it, it just kind of shows, what I like so much about it is that at the end of the day, a lot of us are really actually experiencing the same stuff. And it doesn't really matter where you're at in your life. Like, it just is another example of how we're not really that alone. And like, yeah. what we're going through isn't that unique. That's what I really like to say. It's like, when life is like so shitty for you, I always like to think like, am I like that unique right now? Like, I can't be the only one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such a good point. At all, like at all. There's no way that I'm like the only one. The world does not revolve around me at all. It doesn't, Caitlin. <laughs> we always have to remind her of that. <laughs> you back downstairs but yeah I do think and I think I've said this maybe on the podcast before I've said it to Sophie definitely but like we all go through our own shit and sometimes it's really easy to like compare ourselves to others and be like oh my god I wish I had their life but like you Mm -hmm. never know what goes on behind closed doors but if my dad always says this like if you threw up like all of your shit up against the wall and everyone else's you would still take your own back because you don't, you would still take your own shit that you're going through because you don't want to deal with anyone else's. So it kind of just puts things into perspective that even though you might feel that things are like not great, you still wouldn't want someone else's life. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. And the thing with the crisis too is like, it's never that bad. Like it's, it's not good and it's not comfortable. A lot of the times like a crisis is just an uncomfortable position in time. Like, but the bottom line is that Nine times out of 10, it is so beyond temporary that like you just need to help yourself put it into perspective and become a little bit stronger. And at the end of the day, half of the stuff we go through, we end up 
gaining so much out of it. So it's like, okay, this is temporary. This is stressful, but like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. I think that the most important part that we always try to convey to people and really maybe we try to convey to people who knows if it's come across. But, <laughs> um, it's just that when you're going through a crisis or you're in that uncomfortable, like icky spot, that's where you're ch- getting challenged to grow so much more. And so we try to embrace our crises and try to give the best advice, but just always acknowledging that going through a crisis is actually going to be the best thing for you versus just living a life of complete bliss, because then you're never growing, you're never being uncomfortable, you're never getting pushed to a boundary that you never thought you could be at. And so most of the crises are always like a way to find a a strength within yourself that you never knew existed or able to break through something that you haven't been able to break through. And so I think that crises are, are beautiful and messy and hard and icky. And I'm so glad that we have a community that we're trying to build uh, to allow people to see that we can go through it together and it doesn't have to be an isolating thing. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Me too. I I mean, what the fork is, a quarter life crisis like what do you guys see I mean your audience I guess like what are they going through what's the most kind of popular thing that you see I don't I don't know about popular but we do a lot of relationships between friends and loved ones or parents or siblings or in-laws a lot of relationship based mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. a lot um and also like yeah I Amanda don't you agree I feel like anything I else think like- so relationship-based. A lot of relationship and then a lot of confusion with like occupation or where you're supposed to go in life or mm. feeling like you're not in your correct purpose. So I think it's relationships a lot. Friendships have been primarily where a lot of the um, crisis have been happening of how to deal with like friendships and boundaries. But then a lot with what the fork am I supposed to be doing with my life whenever I feel like I'm in this job and that's not my passion or I feel like I'm completely lost and I don't know what I'm supposed to do and especially social media doesn't help so I think that those mm-hmm. are probably the two like top yeah. overall arching goal like things that we talk about and those are always really like interesting conversations for us to address because we end up talking about stuff that like might be a little uncomfortable for a lot of our listeners, which is like, Mm -hmm. well, where do you stand as far as like your faith and like your spirituality? And like faith has become such a thing that's like so taboo, like just people don't really feel that comfortable talking about it. And um, it's something we address obviously because like Amanda comes from a Christian background. So does Morgan. I'm a Jew from Long Island who's like highly spiritual. Like there's just a lot of discussion about like, well, if you had faith in something, if you believe in God, if you believe in the universe, if you believe in whatever, and you believe in your journey and your path and that everything's happening for the highest good, everything's happening for a reason at the exact moment, then why aren't you trusting this time in your life a little bit more? So I think I appreciate that part of our, our show because we really get people thinking about that that type of stuff. Sorry, I'm like burping. I just chugged this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I think that is really interesting to go back what you were saying before, like, especially like, I think it's so weird to have all our stuff figured out. 
when you're only kind of like in that 25 age range because you go from and I think things are a bit different here in the UK actually I think things are so different here in the UK because you have to like choose you know how like in a high school for us or in America you took like all the classes that you wanted like you didn't have to like choose your subjects essentially like you you always took math science etc and then you went on to college and you kind of like when you were 18, you got to choose what, you know, you wanted to study, but things weren't really, you didn't have to declare a major when you applied. Like you can mm-hmm. do a semester and like take a bunch of classes and then decide. Here, it's very different. You basically, and Sophie can talk about it more, but basically at 16, you have to decide which classes you want to take and you have to apply to college to a certain degree. Yeah. Dang. And also like, I feel like this might be like you know what I've seen on like reality tv growing up watching the hills but like I feel like you guys you go to college and straight out of college you move out you live with your friends you start living your life you get your career sorted whereas here we come back from uni and move back in with our parents and try and sort out our shit and like we're unemployed and there's very little jobs you know we've got no experience because we've just come straight out of uni and it's like before you know it you're 25 and you're still living at home and you're like oh shit like I'm actually in my mid-20s I have no idea what I'm doing with my career I'm in debt because you know I've studied for three or four years and you know I'm not in a serious relationship I'm not living with a boyfriend I'm just still at my parents house and then I feel like well for me anyway I was looking at like these American reality tv shows and I'm like those people are so cool like they're living up in LA and they're living with their friends in the city and (laughs) oh no 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 Twisted, Sophie. Like you have a, especially in New York, and I'm sure it's the same thing for Amanda too. Like you graduate college, sure, and then like you do move home. Like yeah. you have to move home, and okay, like that's good to know. <laughs> it wasn't just me. Yeah, no. I mean, for for being from Long Island, like a lot of people end up moving home and then commuting into the city um, to work, and then maybe trying to save up for like a year, and then they move out. Sure, but like. That's just like not the case with a lot of people. And I think the problem for a lot of younger people comes from the fact that they feel like they need to do that thing that everyone's doing, which like graduating from school, going back to your parents' house, working in the city or whatever it is, coming back and then moving in with your friends. And a lot of people aren't strong enough or aware enough to realize that maybe that's not what they want. And I think it's a very brave person to say like, I need to uproot and change my entire life because like, this is not making me happy. And I don't need to be one of those people that does X, Y, and Z. Like you just, if you are someone like Barry, like to just get up and go somewhere else, like that's a big deal for me. I was doing the Long Island to the city in the music industry. I thought I was going to be the next, you know, big thing in the music industry. And then it takes a minute to be like, Oh my God, I just, I was a music industry major. That's what I studied music business. And I want nothing to do with this industry. Like this is so toxic. I hate it. So it takes a lot for you to stop and say, I don't know why I feel this inclination to become a certified life coach, but I'm going to go with it. And at that time too, that was not like a thing. I think that it's become a little bit more popular throughout the last two years, but like your parents that are like, we just paid so much fucking money for you to go to school and now you're supposed to be a life coach. Like what the fuck is that? But if you are so knowing of what you want to do, it makes it easier. And for those people that are not knowing that come onto our show or write in and be like, 
I don't know what to do. I don't know what my purpose is. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Nine times out of ten, I find that, like, you actually do now. Like, Mm -hmm. you do. Like, you know the things that make you happy, whether it's health or fitness or wellness or whatever it is. You know what it is. You just don't know how to get started or you're you're too scared or you're under this limited belief that, well, if I quit my job, like, I'm not going to have any money. Or if I quit my job, I'm not going to be able to find a job in, in wellness because I've been doing X, Y, and Z for so long. So a lot of the things that prevent us from living out our purpose are just our fear-based thoughts. And those just don't exist. They're fake yeah. as hell. It's so funny, actually, that you say that, because I know so many people who've had that kind of like light bulb moment where it's like, crap, I don't like what I'm doing. It's not sparking joy. Like I need to do something else. And then they go into nutrition. Like I know so many people who have taken like the RD route or nutritionist route as like a second career. So many people. Yeah, a lot more than like people go into like accounting and like law or, you know, I don't know anyone who's like 30 who's like, oh, I I think I'm going to become a doctor. Um, obviously it's a bit harder to become a doctor than it is a dietitian or a nutritionist. Yeah. Like, I would love to go back to school to become a nurse so I can start giving people boat tax. <laughs> yeah. That's all you I should do that. Honestly, not no. Write it down. Put that in a journal somewhere. Yeah, literally write that down. But I feel like there's such like an expectation in like particularly towards the end of your twenties that people are like I should be in a serious relationship by now or I should have moved out by now or I should have my career set by now. There's like that pressure that we all put on ourselves mm-hmm. and that like scares people and makes them essentially unhappy with where they're at in life. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, speaking to all of the things that like Caitlin just touched on. I went to school in Texas. So much different like experience whenever it comes to graduating and all of that, because most of my friends got married at 21 and graduated college, got married, moved in with their spouse, did the thing and you just started your life. So you never had to think about moving in back home or figuring out how to support yourself or any of those things. Um, I was not one of those people. Obviously, I had to go on to do my internship and then I got my master's. And I was like considered old whenever I got married. I got married at 27. And so it was like the, I felt at 25 was whenever I was going through that quarter life crisis of what exactly what you were saying, Sophie, of I remember sitting in my friend's car sobbing, um, drunk, obviously, because <laughs> when do you not like eating fried pickles? Because that's what you do. <laughs> And uh, your one white claw. Oh, my one white claw off of it. (laughs) Um, uh, White claw did not exist yet in 2009, 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so 2010. Uh, And so I was sobbing, being like, I'm just going to be alone. Because I'd had like like, just the, the fuck boys like in my life all up until that point and so it was just basically that time where you just feel all the pressure that you're supposed to already like be marrying someone you're supposed to be doing things and I think that once I let that go of being like I am in a my graduate program I am working on a thesis I am doing research I am so much more than what society is putting on me but I still had that pressure um I was lucky I met Kyle pretty soon after that I think I met him two weeks after I started, I was sobbing in the car crying. Um, 
but I was older and I got married. And then at that time I went through another crisis of what, like graduated with my nutrition. I had my master's and I was just so burnt out. I don't know if you guys have felt this way, like with nutrition, but especially after getting your master's, I would want to know if you guys felt this way too. I just was, I, I had gotten a grant to do my PhD and I just needed a break. And I went and worked as an assistant manager at a clothing store and started becoming like a buyer for clothes <laughs> because I just needed a creative break. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that like we all like give yourself freedom. I felt guilt that I wasn't using my degree. My parents paid for my grad school. They paid for my undergrad. Um, they paid for my internship, you know, like supported me through all of it. And I think that you have to give yourself that space in order to really truly see where your passions are and understand that you're multifaceted and you can have different things and not letting society put pressure on you. I think that, I think for as women, especially reminding yourself that you have value outside of being a wife and a mother, like I am both of those, but I feel like I have to remind myself daily that I am more than that. And we as women are so much more in society and even more than a job. Like, I don't know. I feel like just saying fork, fork society. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) But yeah, me, Barry and I were knackered after our masters. Like, do I remember so clearly we were on the train on the underground and we had like toyed with like, oh, do you think you'll do a PhD after this? Like, oh, maybe. And I just remember like we were in the middle of our exams, like almost finished the master's. And we were both just like, I am never going to go back and do a PhD. I can't. I did four years undergrad, one year internship, then moved here for my, I did six years total of education. Actually, so funny. I um recently took a job or I had a career, not like an adjacent shift kind of like I'm in the same company but I kind of like took a lateral move into the marketing team actually but it's for a health tech uh company so I'm still using a lot of my you know knowledge and you know interacting with the people on the program and things like that so I definitely used all my like RD skills um especially in terms of like marketing messages but yeah I was burnt out I you know in nutrition especially you it's it's very emotional I'm sure it's the same in life coaching take a lot of the burn especially Sophie and I did our master's in eating disorder so those were the kind of clients I was mainly working with and it's it's really emotional and I Mm -hmm. just like I felt drained and I I couldn't give back because I had nothing to give at that point and I was just like this isn't and who knows, like, I can go back into that at any time I want because, you know, keeping my credentials and keeping up with my, like, um, educate, continuing hours of education. Um, but I was just like, I need something else. I need, like you said, I need something more creative. I just need to take a break for a bit. Yes. Being burned out in general sucks. Mm. Agreed. Because <laughs> it makes you question everything. It makes you question all that stuff. But I'm curious for you guys, like, if you've ever done this or you have considered doing this or you're like I can't do this at all for all three of you I very rarely am burnt out by clients because I don't take clients that I know are going to burn me out which might sound like really fucked up but to be honest like I would rather have zero clients than clients that are not even remotely receptive to like what I do for them like my coaching is very spiritual based and like 
um, seeing life through a lens of love and being able to like kind of kill off your limited beliefs and like fear-based thoughts. And if you're someone that's just naturally a pessimist or like a cynical person, I, I will not, I'll give you your money back. Like I've done that before because I, I just don't, it's not safe for me to be in that space. And you're also not doing the work that you know you are capable of doing to someone that is receptive to someone like that. So I don't know if you guys ever turn away clients or if you just accept anyone and everyone, but I find that that's my best way to not get burnt out because I have had in the past when I couldn't, when I, when I didn't have a choice, but to take anyone that came my way, I, it, it just wasn't good for me at all. Yeah. When I remember when I first started working with clients or like just before I was like, I'm going to be seeing clients every day. Like I want my clinic to be booked out. Um, and the clinic that I do work for is, you know, still I, my mentor who is still my mentor actually Rhiannon, and she would like be so booked out with clients and I was like I want to be like that I want so many clients every day and the more that I started to accumulate I was like oh my god like this is so draining there's no way I can possibly book myself out every single day like I'm gonna die and not be able to like give my best version of myself for these clients therefore I won't even be helping them so I definitely have to limit and I say this to Barry all the time actually my client work is quite a small portion of my work now because I know it's not good for me or the clients if I have too many at one time because I can't give them everything I need to because like Barry said it is so emotional yeah agreed totally echo that yeah it's about you know I don't think it was like about turning away clients because I think that the clientele that we were working with were were in a naturally in a dark place but that's what we wanted to help them through and seeing them come out on the other side is like the most like inspirational thing like your heart is just like so warm and fuzzy and you do it for that like you do it for the ability to help someone but I think it is about just limiting the the number of clients um that you take on yeah Yeah, I agree I think that I haven't felt burnt out with clients per se because I do keep it pretty small I feel like whenever I felt burnt out it was more that I wasn't in the right area of nutrition like you guys have found your passion with the nutrition I think that Mm -hmm. I was burnt out with working clinical while I was doing some of my grad school stuff and being in the hospital and seeing how I wasn't affecting change at all outside of like tube feeding that made it to where I felt like what's the point and I think that it that's where I had burnt out burnout of like finding where I'm where I'm supposed to be in this puzzle you know I totally get that. I think a lot of people who do clinical nutrition feel the same way because you don't get that return. You see a client Mm -hmm. that you never see them again. You have no idea. It goes in one ear and out the other. They don't want to be there. They're not receptive. Um, So it's super different. So I get that. Um, So what would you say to someone who, like, what are some strategies that you guys recommend for people going through these quarter life crisis? What have you guys found personally that kind of like helped you come out of it or that you recommend? Yeah, um, my take actually is a little bit different, I think, than um, Amanda's or or Morgan's would be, because I come from a place of, like, just trusting. Like, I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves for, like, rules and, and, like, what to do to get out of it. But I also find it really important to embrace exactly the crisis itself. And to like take it on and be like, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And not to really view it as a problem. Um, 
Like I have a, a course actually coming up next month called Defunk Yourself that I had made a long time ago, which is like how to get out of your modern day funk. And like the number one thing, like any 12 step program is to acknowledge that you're even in it, like acknowledging and not like steaming through and pretending like it's not there because then you'll get, you know, ridiculously overwhelmed. But just acknowledge that you're like in this crisis, but then also taking a step back to realize that it's not a problem. Like I, we view crisis as a problem when I think it's an opportunity to like enhance our spiritual connection. So that's my take, uh, Amanda. I think that for years I would have disagreed with you of being like, no, 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 just like bury it and just move forward (laughs) and just like keep going and persevere. (laughs) Like you can do it. Um, And now I think that I have done so much damage of burying my emotions. (laughs) And nowhere else for it to go. (laughs) Exactly, guys. It is just all bursting out now. (laughs) So. Um, I think it's actually really important to acknowledge that you're going through something and not just try to gloss over it and really try to process it and figure out what Kate, like what Caitlin was saying. I may not view it as a wonderful opportunity to be in there, but I think acknowledging that you're there, this is your reality. This is what is happening. This is what is right in front of you and not just trying to pretend everything's okay and being okay in the not okay, you know? Um, I think that that's, that's the thing that I've learned the most about crises. And I think that I, we try to convey a lot of, like it's okay to not know the answers and it's okay to feel icky and bad. Um, but through that, you're going to be able to get through it. So acknowledging is definitely one of the things that I also agree with. Don't bury your emotions or your crises. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was going through, like, a whole, like, visa debacle about, like, a year and a half ago. Um, So, like, my student visa was up, and I had to come back to America and reapply for another visa. And it was just a really, really difficult crisis. Or, yeah, crisis. And then I was going to say crises. I feel like we all say it different. Um, And then, like, I don't know if you guys remember, but, like, a year and a half ago, almost two years now, the government shut down and everything. All, like, offices were closed. And that was, like, in the middle of my visa application. Um, So there was nothing I could do about it. And I ended up spending five and a half months away from Mark and our dog because what was meant to be two to three months turned into five and a half months. And I like didn't have a job. I was working for myself because I was like, as soon as I get that visa, I'm leaving. I can't like hold down like a a clinical nutrition job. I was like, I, I would like, it just wasn't happening and I didn't want to do it. And I was going through like probably retrospectively, like the biggest crises that I've had so far. And I found I really didn't want to talk about it with anyone. Like it was so, cause I just felt like no one understood. And like, I would get so mad. Like I would actually like, if, if someone tried to talk to me about it, I'd be like, so dismissive because I like wasn't dealing with it and I would journal and that was the only thing that really helped me um and yeah and then I and that's so funny because during that time I that's when I found PR bar because I needed exercise but I like couldn't do HIIT workouts because like my cortisol levels were high and I had alopecia it was just like a nasty time in my life and um yeah and that's and I started doing PR bar and like to until Sophie bought me a new birthday present last year. I had a pure bar pop socket on my phone. 
<laughs> I have one too. It's all yeah. disgusting. That's <laughs> what I had before Sophie bought me one for my birthday, a new one. I love that so much. It's so um, true. Like, yeah. you should be comfortable. Like, if you're not, if you're someone that's not comfortable talking about what you're experiencing because you know you're going to be like dismissive or cold or short or whatever, which is totally normal, taking it to the page is like the mm. best thing ever. Or you could do what I do, which is like, psychotic which is like uh record a video of yourself um or like a voice memo like and legit talk it out to yourself like that's what that's I do. interesting I love that idea do you okay. then listen to it back or it's just cathartic to get it out um I mean sometimes I'll listen to it back like maybe not immediately after but like I think also sometimes it's just cathartic to, to get it out if mm-hmm. you don't about something because nine times out of 10 for me, which also I'm saying that so much today, but whatever, um, nine times out of 10, I find that like you find the answer within, like when you're just talking yeah. out. You do. Yeah, completely. You have to, I, I find that, I mean, this year has been tough for all of us in so many different ways, but I have to talk to as many people as I can to get a different perspective and in hope that at some point I'm going to be like, okay, I can let this like frustration go finally. Like I've spoken to enough people, I've offloaded enough um, that I can finally like find peace and move forward and be happier the next day. But Barry and I have made a pact with each other that we're going to start journaling more. Yes, we ordered journals. Mine actually still didn't get here yet. It's oh, mine arrived today. Um, my Amazon said it'll be here by 9 p.m. Like as if I'm gonna like that. No, I I want to <laughs> be in bed. Um, so yeah, but yeah. So we said we have a journal. Do you guys? do you journal? And I asked Sophia this, I was like, okay, is this something we have to do in the morning? Can I do it at any point of the day? Like, is, do I have to be regimented? Like I'm a bit nervous. No, you do it. You, first of all, yes, I journal every single day, but I don't like make a strict rule for it. And also if I'm not able to journal that day, I just fucking don't like, yeah, you, you do what you can. And the thing with journaling and meditation and all these practices is that like, once it becomes a chore, it's no longer helpful. So like you do it when you feel you have something to say and like you do it when you feel like you want to be inspired. Like there's, it depends on what you're trying to get out of it. Like if you're someone that's journaling gratitude, then you do it every day in the morning. Like that's something that you want to focus on. If you're journaling to understand something about like the inner workings of your mind, do it when you feel inclined to write. It, it doesn't need to be so regimented because then you're not going to enjoy it. It's going to feel like, oh, I have to do it at this time or like I'm not doing it right. And that's just not how it, how it is. Yeah, yeah, I think something you said there that was so powerful that it's like if it feels a chore, it feels like a chore, it's not serving you. And I think that like that's transferable to so many other things, like whether it's like certain type of exercises or dieting, dieting. Or food, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't get like, started with dieting. Amanda, I'm so excited to record tomorrow because I um, just... Me too. We, do you guys know about all that F-factor bullshit? Yes, we spoke about that. I, I can't stop following all no. the stories. Emily Gellis, shout out. You are... I'm not going to lie. I'm going to give a hot take. I have been deep, deep in the inner workings of what's going on here. Same. And in the beginning, and I still do really love her. Like in the beginning, I was like, yes, Emily. Like, yes, 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 yes. But now I'm starting to think that like, she's in in moments, I find in moments, she loses track of the big picture where like, I'm starting to feel as someone that tries not to 
come from a place of judgment and I acknowledge when I do. I think that there's a lot that she's saying that is now getting off topic. That's just like not nice stuff to these yeah. women. And like, I want her to be able to understand in a weird way that like, she still needs to be able to hold compassion. She's just coming off very angry, which I understand. Yeah, I but think she's, it's a difficult position to assume because mm-hmm. one, she never asked for it um, to be this person of this voice of all this trauma and yeah. to have people coming at her from so many angles. I, I really understand, but I do see exactly where you're coming from, Caitlin, and kind of that side. But like, I think if we put ourselves in her shoes, like, I think she's going through a lot. So oh, yeah, for sure. But, but yeah. Actually, this is a great segue to a topic that we haven't discussed on the podcast yet, and I would love to have you. And she kind of brought it to light that um, there's. So, do you watch um, The Real Housewives? What do you think this? Yes, obviously. (laughs) You watch all of them. I don't. And I. I don't like that's the one show that like I never really got into. I know house. I was so disappointed in Barry the other day when I was like, "Do you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills?" And she was like, "No," and I was like, "What?" I don't, I don't understand that. Like, <laughs> I never got into it. Um, but there is a Real Housewives, and you guys will probably know more than I do. I only know what I've seen on Instagram. But there's a Real Housewives, and please educate Sophie and I because maybe Sophie know this, but that she created this like diet. Um, but basically it's just like an eating disorder in disguise and it's like 500, 600 calories a day and you have to pay her 500. Actually, uh, I actually took to the, took to the page itself and commented, um, on her post, um, which I believe now it has like a hundred something likes, which I'm like, this is so great, which I, I'm appreciative that she didn't delete mine because she kept, she posted something about herself being like, this is my business. Like we make it very clear what it is before you start. You don't need to do it if you don't like the, the rules, whatever. And I was just like, this is so fucked up. But yeah, Teddy Mellencamp has a company called All In with Teddy. And they're accountability coaches and they hold you accountable for this, that, and the next. But as a coach and as someone that does hold my clients accountable, um, I think that there is different techniques to everything. And something mm-hmm. that's register with someone else is not going to register with another person and do I believe that her intent Teddy's intent with making this business and making this company and doing this stuff was pure 100% of course I do but what's so disturbing is the fact that like her what her uh, accreditations or whatever she has is like a five hour thing that you could spend for $600 online. Like she doesn't have any real training or, or anything in that matter. And her business has become so triggering for so many different people and she's just full of shit. And now it's becoming a multi-marketing level company. And it's just like, what the fuck? And Kyle Richards needs to back the fuck down because now she's getting involved. (laughs) I agree with everything that you said, especially Kyle. Goodbye, Kyle. Um, No, I think that to anyone who hasn't researched it, go and and read about it. But I think that what you guys would probably also agree with is that whenever you say accountability coach, you think they're holding you accountable to your goals and she's holding them accountable to her goals for you Mm -hmm. versus what they want in their life. And so it's very, very gross and vile. Like I was so angry when I read about what the diet was 
um, how many calories, how they were treating them and what they expected of them. Like, I don't want to say too much of it because I feel like it could be a trigger for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's just it's just vile. And the coaches, um, they aren't even certified at all in anything. They're just trained by her. Yeah. And so you're having someone who's taking care of your health that doesn't even understand the science as to yeah. why this isn't okay. And they don't know the, these women's medical histories. And so mm-hmm. things that they could be doing are so damaging. And that's why it's so important that someone that is a registered dietitian or a registered nutritionist or a certified nutrition specialist, they are the only ones that are allowed to give you a therapeutic diet mm-hmm. or yeah. write a diet. Amanda, plan. I noticed that's like the most effed up part. And we'll talk about this also again on our podcast tomorrow, yes. but I just like to say it. There are on Teddy's page, so many people coming for her being like, this is really not good. Like you are um, putting people in danger, this and that. But at the same time, we have hundreds and hundreds of women and men, not really that many men, but hundreds of women that are commenting being like, you don't understand. This program changed my life. I'm in the best place in the world right now. And this brought me back to when I was like the most disordered eater in the world my sophomore year of college when I was like having like an almond as my drunk snack being like, I'm so hot. Um, like that for me, like if, if I was involved in something like Teddy's thing and that happened when I was in that state, I would have, I would be defending it too. So it's like, I don't even blame these people because Mm. they're, you can't listen to them because they're so in it that like, they don't see out of it. But like when you're out of it and you're like, no, 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 like you shouldn't be scared to eat oatmeal with peanut butter like that should not be something that scares you like we see it because we're not you know yeah in that yeah. yeah I I understand and I I send grace and I feel so badly for those women that are like no like this works for me and I'm like you can't tell me that it that this is healthy like I don't know yeah it's almost like brainwashing in a way yeah, and like exactly they're in it and they're probably like I'm doing this like I'm doing so well like I haven't fallen oh. off track like they're keeping me on it but like you said like further down the line that's not going to be like a pretty picture <laughs> yeah it's not sustainable and yeah not going to be able to keep it up but you know like you said like so one of the things when people are super malnourished not saying that I'm not assuming that anyone going through that is at that state, but your brain doesn't function the way that it should. And what it's actually called is um, narrowing. What is it called? Cognitive. Func- oh God, it just slipped my Basically, mind. Basically you're like your cognitive functioning isn't. Yeah. Able you have, to- essentially you have tunnel vision. You're unable to like generalize or yeah. like um, take things to the wider scope. Um, so your neural connections are a bit shorter, they're a bit smaller, they're very, very short-term thinking, it's very hard to long-term think, and I think when you're going through something like that, like, you can't, you can't see that other perspective, one, because you don't want to, and two, because the malnourishment actually won't allow you to, and that's actually really, really, really sad, and one of the things that when people recover from eating disorders is that we can't even start the therapy until they're re-nourished. So until their brain is kind of like reset, 
yeah, we can't even start the therapy because it'll be ineffective because their brain's just not receptive to that information. So I think that's a part of this whole kind of like conversation, whether it's with all in or whether it's with F factor, people who are deep into it, I don't even think they understand because their brains aren't at that place where they can accept that information, which is like the saddest part because they truly believe it. Yeah, yeah. completely. Oh, it's so, so sad. All of it. And angering. And the same time though, like light at the end of the tunnel, just to like try is, I mean, we're try. lucky enough. I'm going to try, but we are lucky enough that in 2020 body positivity is like such a trend. And mm-hmm. um, it just wasn't like that when I was a sophomore in college, like to be. It did not exist. Like no, no one would be celebrating bigger bodies when we were in high school. Not at all. So like, I do think that, and I also see this again, you guys are in London, but I think of it also the same thing, like with our presidency, it's like as shitty as this is, we finally are in a time where people are speaking up or finding a political stance. Like think about how many years people have been like, well, I'm not voting this year. Like, I don't know anything about politics. Like sometimes you need this like whoa thing to happen for people to be like, wait, no, I actually have an opinion on this. And like, I want to speak up about it. So I do think with the amount of people that are commenting being like, this is insane. I think that shows a lot of growth with like Mm -hmm. society. We are appreciating like different bodies now, which like fucking rocks. Yeah, I do think this is like the first of like a big wave of like the, I mean, the anti-diet community has been growing for years, especially with the rise of intuitive eating and haze and things like that. But I think this is just one more kind of like er eruption of like a volcano in the the takedown of diet culture. Um, So exactly like you said, like everything else kind of paved the way and we wouldn't be here today if we didn't have you know, the, the crises before. Um, but I do think this is like the end, the end of diet culture is starting to crumble within. Which is I agree. thrilling because now I feel justified a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I agree. I'm excited for the diet culture just to continue like crumbling on itself and, and for dietitians and like certified nutritionists and registered nutritionists to actually realize that we have a voice too and that we can be louder than the celebrity Uh, or quote unquote celebrity who thinks that they can do a diet plan we can be louder and we can be figuring out how we can use our voices legally to say this isn't okay to protect these people and not be afraid or sit back because we don't feel like we know what to say or do I think mm-hmm. that it's it's both. They're crumbling on themselves and we are also like rising up. Completely. I agree. Yeah. And to bring it full circle, I feel like the dieting, especially for women, like plays into that quarter life crisis of like, oh, yeah, you've gone through. And I almost feel like when you come out of that crisis, it's almost like that epiphany moment of like you have to try a few diets to realize how much they suck. Um, but yeah, I feel like that kind of plays into that. What should I be doing with my life? How should I be looking? You know, yeah. this person has is doing X, Y, Z. Should I be doing this? And mm-hmm. it's, I think it kind of traps you in because I think when you're in your most vulnerable moments is prior to that 25 years. Agreed so much. <laughs> and also, I will say one more thing, like about the rise of body positivity and stuff. I will say that I always had a really strong insecurity my whole life. I've always just had, I'm, I'm a little girl, I'm petite, but I've always had like a little 
pouch on my stomach. Like no matter what I do, even when I was the skinniest little girl, like I will always have this line on my stomach. It just is what it is. And there's a girl on TikTok now that's like posting videos of her in her crop top, like, you know, doing her dances, but she, she has a stomach. And like, that's the point. She's like, I'm not wearing a high-waisted pant. When I show you guys this, I'm going to wear a low rise jean and a crop top and show you my stomach visibly moving while I do the woe. So like, just letting you guys know, like here it is. And I love her so much because she's given, when people allow that to happen, they're giving permission for everyone else. Yeah. My body is my vessel to be here on this earth at this time right now. And truly all that matters to me is like fueling it with stuff that's that's good for my organs and like good for myself. But if I want to fucking have a bowl of pasta and have chicken parm, like I'm so gracefully going to do it because like that's my life right now. And it's good for the soul. (laughs) Yeah. Like think about the best times in our lives, like the best times in our lives are like related to food, I think at least. It's like you want to celebrate, like you want to yeah. do life and not have to think twice about it. So that's all I have to say. That's a nice night to end on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Definitely. Well, thank you guys so, so, so much for coming on our podcast. Where can everyone find you? You can find us at QLC Girls on Instagram and you can find us in the Apple podcast or wherever you find podcasts, Spotify all those things, um, quarter life crisis. And then if you want to email or send us some crisis or crises you guys want to talk about, we would love to have them. So shoot us a DM. Yeah. We, we like to answer a crisis at least like once a week, if not, it's every other. So if you DM us, you have something you want to talk about, you remain anonymous and we, we get to every single one of them. So send us what you're going through and we will address it. And usually we have a guest on, whether it's a reality TV star, a someone in the nutrition field. We just had an incredible guest on last week who is one of the only survivors that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, um, which was an incredible episode. But yeah, there's just there's so many different um, people that will address the, the crises, too. So. Check us out, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. And share with your friends and family or anyone that you think this episode might be helpful to. It really does help us get seen in the charts. Please go follow us on Instagram at Forking Wellness and pre-order our book either on amazon.co.uk or barnesandnobles.com.